Welcome everyone to today's Scaling with People podcast. I'm going to recur your host, and I'm excited to present Pamela Wilson today. She has over 35 years of experience working closely with some of the fastest growing small businesses in the U.S. She leverages smart marketing strategies, so clients, websites, social presence, offline marketing, and email marketing work to generate more profit with less effort. Pam currently serves as the CMO of Dental Claim Support. Welcome, Pam. Can't wait to get started talking about marketing. I am so excited to talk about this. It's one of my favorite topics, and I'm kind of obsessed. So it's going to be a great conversation. <laughs> I love it. And yeah. I'm obsessed with people, so we're going to tear it apart and talk about how it interacts with the scaling of a founder's company from a people and marketing perspective. Love it. So talking about people, AI is such a hot topic right now. How do you handle um, AI from an expert perspective, but ethically and by yes. facilitating your marketing and, and sales tasks? Right, exactly. We're, it's something that we're doing at Dental Claim Support with the team that I manage. So if we've had to navigate that. I mean, it all kind of exploded this year, the year that you and I are talking. And um, there are some people who rejected it out of hand. And I'm the kind of person who's like, cool, this looks cool. Let's see what it can do. You know, <laughs> it looks like a cool tool. Let's see if we can make it work. And, and what we discovered is there are ways to make an AI tool work for you. But I think the most important thing to think about is you, the human expert, are shaping the entire experience from what you put into it to what you take out of it. And as long as you have that in mind, I do think that there is a way to use it ethically. And I I can talk to you, a really good example would be how we create blog posts at DCS. I can talk you through that if that would be helpful. Yeah, I want to hear it, I, just even for me and my blog post. <laughs> yeah. Well, it starts with the, the team meeting. I have a very tiny but mighty marketing team of four amazing people, including me, and we meet once a month to map out the content that we're going to talk about in the coming months. So typically what we're doing is thinking about the sales objections that our prospects have on the way to becoming a customer. So the kinds of questions they have, the kinds of things that are holding them back, and we develop content to meet those needs. So we get together, kind of figure out the topics we want to cover, and then the content manager actually puts together a content brief. So the content brief is usually what keywords are we going to target? What headline will we use? What are the main points that we want to make in the article? And how do we want to wrap it all up with a nice call to action and, and conclude everything? So she does that thinking ahead of time. The human expert on our team does that thinking ahead of time. And then then she goes over to ChatGPT and she starts plugging in information that she has thought through and seeing if it can help to flesh out a basic outline for the blog post. She does not take anything straight out of ChatGPT. She takes snippets, parts of paragraphs, sometimes subhead ideas for within the article. And then she takes, it's almost like ingredients that you're putting out on the counter when you're about to make, you know, cook something or bake something. She uses those AI generated ingredients and shapes them into something that that really sounds like it has a human behind it. 
She also does things like weaving in direct quotes from people, weaving in customer testimonials, things that an AI tool would never know, right? What we have found, it does still sound like a lot of work, but what we found is it really helps us to get to what we call our draft zero very quickly. So the draft zero in my world anyway, is a draft that's generated by an AI tool that needs a lot of work still, right? But it's done very quickly. And sometimes there are some creative approaches that you would not have thought of if you were doing it on your own. So we find it very valuable. And when you do blend like that between the human expert and the AI tool, I think the results can be really fascinating. Yeah, I love that draft zero concept. It's exactly how I use it. I'm a math major. So writing is sometimes really challenging when I'm looking at that blank screen. I'm like, okay, what am I writing about? What do I need to put in here? Like that kind of um, synopsis of like the t- the different topics that you want to discuss, right? And so throwing into chat GPT or any other AI tool you have out there, Barge or, uh, you know, any, any other writing content tool you're using, you can just say, you know, I want to talk about XYZ content. What are some highlights that I should discuss, right? And gets you kind of going. Uh, I find that so helpful. It It is super helpful. And, you know, there are certain things that we always do at the beginning of an interaction with a chat-based tool that I have found made a huge difference. One is to simply tell it the role you want it to play. So you tell it as a copywriter, you tell it as a content marketer, it's a conversion copywriter. If you're writing sales copy, things like that, you give it a very specific role because if you don't give it a role, it writes like a robot, which is not, (laughs) which is not good. We don't want that. So you tell it a role to play and that it's almost like it helps it put its hat on of what it's going to be doing. Right. And then you give it a goal, which is to really spell out what you're expecting from what it's going to give you. This is what I want it to do. This is who it's going to serve. This is the kind of thing I want you to write. So you just feed it as much detail as you can. But that piece of it is never perfect. You never cover all the detail that it needs. So I always tell people also include the what I call the magic question. And the magic question sounds something like, Please tell me, please ask me anything else you need to know so that you can do this task well. Ooh, I like that. And when you ask it that magic question, it's amazing because it will it will ask you a numbered amount of questions. It might ask you three or five or seven questions. It'll say, tell me more about the ideal customer for this piece of content. What, you know, what do they already understand about the topic? Are, are what are they confused about? It just asks you the kind of detailed questions that a really good writer would ask you before they started writing a piece. So then you go back and the questions are numbered. So you just number your answers. So you don't have to restate the question. You can just say yes, no, describe the ideal customer, whatever it is. And taking those extra steps, giving it a role, a goal, and asking it that magic question it's a game changer. I mean, it is amazing how much better the tools get when you take the time to do that. Yeah. I had a friend, not to get all dark, but um, he his his father had passed away and he was helping his mother write the obituary. And he's like, mom, let's try the AI and see what it comes up with. And they did. And, and she's like, oh, I don't really like it. And he goes, well, tell me why. Like, tell me more. And she goes, well, I really like the Wall Street Journal version of the, their obituaries. And so he goes, okay, well, let's let's tell. ChatGPT to do it in a Wall Street Journal 
type style and it redid it and she loved it. So giving those extra parameters of the tools, it's just phenomenal how much better you can get outcomes come out of it. It's Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the first time I really got excited about it, I signed up almost immediately when it was released. And the first time I got ex- excited about it was I asked it to write a poem to my sister in the style of Dr. Seuss. And <laughs> the poem came out and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, playing around with it can help teach you a lot, actually, just and then using it for things like that, personal things that are difficult to write. I'm sure it was helpful to have an AI tool that was not emotionally involved in this situation of writing that yeah. obituary, right? So yeah, for sure. that was, I mean, as long as it was fed in with information that was true and accurate, I can see how that would have been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And he, the same friend told me, oh, we're having a huge family get together and we're trying to make reservations. Most of the reservation platforms don't do more than like eight people in a party. And so he used the functionality of ChatGPT and said, find me local restaurants in this area on this day during this time frame for this many people to make a reservation. And then did it. I was like, oh, Oh, wow. Yeah. I would never have thought to have done that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wouldn't have either. I didn't know it could do that. So yeah. I just learned something new. That's amazing. Well, I think that's where we are, right? In this world is that we are constantly learning new tricks of how to use these tools to help support us. But I want to go back to what you were saying about using it ethically, because as a people person, right, uh, really helping organizations build their employee perspective, uh, you know, AI can be really challenging from recruiting, from writing your policies, from legalities. You have to be really careful on the ethical side. Love to hear more from you on what you're doing on the marketing side with that. Yeah. And it's interesting because the HR person at the company where I work uses AI occasionally too. I showed her, I was the first, I was had the honor of being the person to show her chat GBT. So um, she, I think you're right. You want to stay away from it for anything that is legal or anything where um, you're representing the legal aspect of your business, you need to just make sure you're working with a lawyer and you're sticking by the books, right? You know, it's not a place to be creative in those in right. those aspects, right? What I do, marketing, you could be pretty creative, right? The HR person who works um, at DCS, what she uses it for actually is to just shape her email communication. Yeah. So when she's, I mean, ironically, when she's talking to a human, she can feed in what she wants to say and just get some options for ways to say that smoothly that she can then use in email. So she's not using it for any kind of legal communication, but definitely for HR people write a lot of emails, don't they? They So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. policies and communications. And the policies, yeah, as long as the policies end up being accurate, the way they're communicated can really impact how people perceive the business, especially while they're being onboarded, right? So I could see a place to use it within um, policy writing as long as the human being is there fact-checking everything and making sure it's accurate. Yeah, but 100%. Yeah. But on the marketing side, like for example, we're using HubSpot and HubSpot along with lots of other uh, website platforms has now incorporated AI into the admin side of the site. So there are, I mean, you almost can't click anywhere on the HubSpot admin without being said how, without being tough. Let me try that again. 
you almost can't click anywhere on the HubSpot admin without being asked, hey, do you want AI to help you with this task? It helps with so many marketing, uh, copywriting and content writing tasks, but it also will help you to generate reports based on a plain English description of the data that you're trying to get out of the tool. So it's really, I, I think we might just be scratching the surface with these tools and people are realizing the power that they have. They're also realizing that they could be dangerous if they're not applied in the right way. And I think we're still figuring it out, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we're going to learn a lot more as days go on. Uh, you know, this is such a fast moving technology. You got different AI companies popping up every day. I have a an article, I, I get a newsletter on a daily basis showing seven new AI companies to look at. Like, yeah. it's amazing how yeah. many things are popping up. Well, switching gears a little bit, let's talk about marketing. And for those that are listening, they're they're the founders and CEOs of small startup companies. They're growing their business, like every business is growing, right? But even more right. so crucial from a startup perspective. Can you explain to me how, um, how moving the prospects from what is MQL, marketing qualified leads, to SQL, sales qualified leads, and how that's more of a team effort than maybe just the founder doing it? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you have um, someone in charge of marketing, and I realize in some cases, uh, one person is wearing the marketing and the sales hat, and that's just the reality in the early days, right? But once you get to the point where you might have someone in charge of sales, someone else in charge of marketing, or you're building out separate departments, it's super important for those people to be in constant communication because you want to make sure that there's a very consistent experience from the very beginning all the way toward, and I, I don't even want to say toward the end because the ongoing relationship with your ongoing customer is what you want, right? You want to have a customer who sticks with you and continues to buy from you and is just a, it's an ongoing relationship that you're nurturing, right? So I think it's crucial to make sure that you are showing up the same way at the top of the funnel, as we say. So getting someone into your world, which would be getting them to be marketing qualified. So they're at the point where they've expressed some kind of interest in, in your solution. And they're they're because of that interest, they're they're qualified to receive your marketing. That's really what we're talking about. And you want to move people along this path and give them the same kind of feel about your business and how you speak about your business and how you speak about the transformation that you help deliver all the way through to the handover to sales. And, you know, if you're, if you have a sales department where they have to have a conversation, you want to make sure that conversation is very consistent with the values that were expressed in the marketing. And then if the handover goes to somebody like an account representative or someone who's going to be in contact with them as a customer, again, the values need to stay consistent across all of those. Otherwise, people, you know, sometimes react like, well, this company seemed great when they wanted me to become a customer, but now that I'm a customer, everything fell apart, right? So there has to be this really consistent messaging across all of those areas and, you know, even if it's just one or two people who are doing that in the early days, if you can establish from the very beginning that you're going to be cohesive across everything, 
that will kind of set you up for success. I like that. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I've been on the back end. I've been on the front end of that conversation and and having that, really, it's all about relationships, right? When it comes down to it, especially when you're building your business from the ground up and the first couple customers are people who are like, well, I'll take a chance on you. And they, they yes. expect to be a little bit more white-gloved, right? And have that continual experience throughout their life cycle with you. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, we talked really high level about some things from a marketing perspective, but for a startup, small size CEO or founder, what's a key takeaway or actionable item that they could think about as they continue to grow their business? This may be too basic, but I have spoken to so many founders and and they've told me that this has been helpful. So a, a big pain point in the early days is the website. And I think it's difficult because people see these completely fleshed out websites that have been online for years, sometimes decades, and maybe they're a competitor and they just have this very elaborate website, right? And you you look at that and you think, I, I'm never going to be able to get to that place. Look how far advanced they are from where I am, right? So I always tell people, start with your homepage. Just get, a, get your messaging nailed down and the value proposition of your business on a single homepage. Just start with that. Then eventually you want to add a contact page. You want to have a way that people can reach out to you if they're interested and you want to add an about page. And that's because people are always curious about the person or people behind the business. They just want to, you know, people are nosy, right? They want to <laughs> know. So create an about page. So start with a home, contact us, and about. Just start with those three foundational pages. Eventually, you want to add some kind of content page. So that's going to be a blog. Maybe it's a podcast like this one. Maybe it's a series of videos. You want to have some kind of content that you publish on a regular basis that helps search engines to surface your website as a solution provider to the questions that people are searching online, right? Yeah. And then finally, you want to have some kind of, I I remember it as an extra C, which is commerce. Now, in some cases, it might be ser our services, it might be your store, that can be expressed differently depending on what you offer, if it's a product or a service, but it's some kind of commerce aspect to your site. In other words, where does money get exchanged on your website? And even if it's a store page that people click on and they get redirected to another platform where the items are actually displayed, that's fine. But on your home website, you have to have a way to get people there. And I always tell people, you know, just start with that. Start with that and... Every website starts that way, starts with a homepage about and contact us. So get those things nailed down and you will not regret any time you spend getting your website looking good on the internet and representing your company well on the internet. The other thing I tell people is pixel ink is never dry. <laughs> so, and I, I didn't make that up, but, um, okay. you know, I heard it and I was like, oh, that's so perfect because I come from the print design world. So I come from this world where I was responsible for print runs of a hundred thousand issues of something, right? Talk about high stakes, because if you made any kind of mistake on the hundred thousand print run, you know, it was really a big mistake. It was an expensive mistake with, um, 
online, your online presence, your website, if there's a mistake, you just fix it. It's really not a big deal. Pixel ink is never dry. So if you can go into your website work with that attitude, like I'm just going to get it out there. The sooner you publish it and make it live, the sooner the search engines start like giving you accumulated history points, right? You've been online since this year, that year, you know, and the longer those years are, the more authoritative they think your website is, right? So just get it out there, get it published, start with something basic, work out your messaging on a single page if you have to, but, but just go for it. Don't, don't overthink it and just go for it. Pamela, that was a great advice. And I, I see where you think it's too basic, but I think a lot of uh, audience who are listening to this probably will find that very helpful. Oh, I definitely God. was going through, okay, I got that. I got that on my website. I got, okay, I think I'm I'm doing good here. Yeah, <laughs> so good. It was really a great tip. Well, thanks so much for your time, Pamela. I appreciate it. And I hope the audience has a wonderful day. Thanks, guys. Thank you.